host, Julia, and welcome back to See You in My Next Life podcast, where I sit down to talk about some of your favorite manhwas. In this episode, we'll be covering the ins and outs of Men of the Harem by Alphatart the author and Youngbin the illustrator. I just wanted to make a quick announcement regarding this podcast's upload schedule. So I know it's been a long time, and I hope you don't hate me for that, but I do believe that the best way for me to not stress about uploads and also to be able to manage my personal life on top of running this podcast is for the upload schedule to switch from bi-weekly to just monthly. If I'm being honest, I never really uploaded bi-weekly anyway. Um, it kind of just naturally shifted to every month just because of how life has been going for me. And you may have already noticed this shift if you've been following the podcast from the beginning or if you've just been picking up on the uploading patterns. So I hope that this isn't too much of a change for you because it seems it's already been expected. But I did want to make this formal announcement to kind of inform you. I really, really hope that you'll still stick around and this change won't deter you from listening because I truly do believe that this decision will be for the overall better development of this podcast as of now. So much work gets put into this podcast to be able to create hour-long episodes and so that I can ensure that the quality of each episode is up to my standards and up to yours as listeners, I've decided to lengthen the time it'll take for this process. So thank you so much for your understanding, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. So, Men of the Harem. This one is such a good manhwa, and I think it's the first one that I'm talking about that is uploading on Webtoons. I've been wanting to talk about this one. It's really good, and personally just love the story. Couldn't wait to talk about it. When I was writing the outline for this podcast episode, I wrote more than I had for any other podcast episode. Normally, I just jot down ideas. I'll be like, okay, so this is what I want to talk about overall. But I won't really limit myself or I won't include anything super specific unless there's something that I really want to say. But because there was so much I wanted to add in this episode that I didn't want to forget to talk about, I wrote so, so much. So I'm a little terrified for how long it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be long. I, I strive to make it an hour or less. So we're just going to hope that that's what it turns out to be. But let's get into the summary of the story. So we're going to do a little... The first, we're going to do the official summary that Webtoon has provided us. And then we're going to add in a little bit of backstory that I want to give. If you've read this manhwa, you already know, but it's not super long. Um, and I think for those who have read it a while ago or have not read it have not read it at all, kind of want this backstory. So, scorned by her lover and thrown into power after the, after the mysterious assassination of her father, Latiel is urged to marry in order to secure her sovereignty of Terium. Instead of choosing one man to become her royal consort, she chooses five young men from all walks of life to join her harem, all with very different pasts. Will Latiel ever solve her father's murder, and can she keep the peace in her harem? So let's go a little deeper than that. The story starts off six years before the current events of the webtoon, which we think of as the harem and when Latiel has become emperor. Um, six years ago, when she meets Hyacinth Karasin of the Karasin Empire. And Latiel Terium was just a princess, not even heir to the throne yet. I believe her brother was heir to the throne when she met Hyacinth. So she did not have any dreams nor ambitions of becoming emperor of Terium. Um, and she meets Hyacinth, who was Prince of Kherson Empire at the time. And he came to Terium as an envoy and a scholar. Um, it's kind of like the falling in love at first sight. She sees Hyacinth and she's like, oh my god. She kind of was like, I don't know, struck and Hyacinth was as well, and so they kind of just have this development where they fall in love and spend all their time together. And Latiel believed that Hyacinth was her other half. So amazing, like life couldn't be better, right? Um, right? Like falling in love happily ever after, princess story, the end. Of course that wouldn't be the case, because why are, why are we here? Why are we reading this manhwa? Why are you listening to this podcast? If that really truly was the case. So Hyacinth has to go back to Kerrison after a little bit. Like everything seems fine and dandy. Life is going great. And all of a sudden Hyacinth receives news that his brother has started a rebellion while Hyacinth was away. So he has to go back to Kerrison to stop this rebellion and hopefully actually claim the throne for himself. 
Before he leaves, he promises Latiel that he'll take the throne and send a huge delegation to Tarium to ask Latiel's father for her hand in marriage. And Latiel is super excited about this. She really wants to go with Hyacinth, but he's like, no, it's too dangerous for you, um, yada yada. And she finally accepts, but she definitely doesn't stop thinking about him. She prays for his safety every day, goes to the church, although I don't think it's a church. I think it's just, it's some, some worshiping center. She goes and she's like, please be safe. Please come back and return alive. And two years later, he succeeds in this. So it seems like Latiel's a goddess. Wink, wink. No. But <laughs> the catch, though, is that the, the delegation never comes. And soon enough, Latiel finds out through a letter that in order to secure the throne, he has to get help from the Dukes of Carousel. But not for free, of course, not for free. And in order to receive this help, Hyacinth agrees to marry the daughter of his benefactor and make her the empress instead. Yikes, man. She was absolutely heartbroken when she heard that. I was, I think I was angry more than anything. I would be heartbroken if I was in her position as well. But man, did I just want to wring his neck. That's <laughs> No, oh my god, he just... From the beginning, he seemed really sketchy. But I'm just not going to get into that because we're not going to not going to judge him if he didn't do anything, right? But then he did do something. So that basically justifies all of my feelings. So, yes, Latiel is heartbroken and devastated, but that soon turns into rage and a desire for revenge for this betrayal. Hyacinth meets with her, so she goes to Karrison as part of the celebratory delegation, which is kind of like a big slap in the face. Like, imagine your boyfriend of two to three years just gets married to someone else and you have to go to the wedding and congratulate him. Like, the day after. I'm pretty sure that's... Oh my goodness. That would be insane. But she does it. And she she does it with confidence. She doesn't let any of her emotions slip. And Hyacinth meets with her one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. He promises to divorce his wife in five years in order to marry Latiel. But she refuses. He's like, you're scumbag. Why would you do that? <laughs> like, basically, she thinks of him as even more scum to begin with because of his proposal. And I would as well. Like, just what? It feels like he's playing around with people's emotions. He's going to marry this girl and then basically saying, oh, I don't really care about her feelings. I'm just going to divorce her to be with you. Um, but we can really see where his priorities lie. Like, okay, his priority lies with power and not with people, not with relationships. And so break up with him and move on. And she kind of does that. She refuses. Although moving on is a lot harder than it seems. But soon after, soon after this happens, uh, Latiel actually gets made heir to the throne because her brother gets chosen to become a great sage. Or no, he's He's chosen to become the apprentice under a great sage, and he decides to leave the throne behind. Um, and there's like this prophecy that if he'll be if he'll become a, a sage, he'll become one of the greatest. And if he becomes emperor, the empire will prosper under his rule. But Latiel's prophecy was that there's going to be something big happen, and she's going to be a pretty merciless ruler. So she's really surprised when her brother decides to step down and follow the path of to becoming a sage and her father also to Latiel's surprise makes her the heir to the throne and not her brother her half-brother Thula her father's like no I'm gonna make you the child of the empress even though you're a woman I'm gonna make you the heir she begins taking successor classes and preparing to take over but only a few years go by and her father is suddenly murdered just out of the blue he wasn't sick he wasn't old he just dies so everyone's like okay he's been assassinated and framing latiel for the murder her half-brother thula seizes control of the palace and pronounces himself as the heir which mm, that's kind of sketchy why would all of a sudden like thula claims that on their father's deathbed he just suddenly made Thula the heir. Why would he do that? Latiel has been training for a while. There was literally no clue, no hint whatsoever that Thula would be the would become the emperor. But no one can object him because no one was there to witness what the emperor had said. So no one can really go against him. Thula has his own army. He 
He definitely pushes back um, and he wants to take the crown. But after some time of struggle, Latiel and her own followers finally gain the upper hand. She executes her half-brother immediately and is crowned Emperor of Terium. I don't know if she beheads him immediately. I'm pretty sure she does. I'm pretty sure she, she beheads him as soon as she can. She like calls for the execution as soon as possible. But we'll get into that slightly later because there's a time where Thula kind of has, he thinks that he has a chance and he doesn't. But yes, after the assassination of Thula, Latiel is the only person of royal blood left and she is crowned Emperor of Terium. As the mystery of her father's sudden assassination is still nowhere near solved and more problems are arising, Latiel is urged by the aristocrats to marry and take a royal consort, as have all the emperors before her. Except all of the male emperors before her have also been urged to take on consorts and create harems in order to keep the empress in check. And Latiel insists that she also have a harem, since many emperors have done so before her, except she's the first female emperor to do this, and she definitely receives backlash from the duke and other aristocrats from her council who were trying to offer up their sons to her to take as a royal consort. But she's like, nope, nope, I'm just, I can take all your sons and just put them in a harem. Like, why do I just have to have one? Honestly, she doesn't actually want to be with any of them. She just is doing this for political power. Which I think is kind of an iconic move because she's still kind of not, she's she's over Hyacinth, she hates him, but she's also developed trust issues from this whole predicament because, yeah, what if someone else does the same? And what if she ends up exposing her weaknesses to them? As Emperor of Terium, she can't really afford to do that anymore. So that's the very beginning of it. And the story progresses from there. Some initial thoughts that I have on this manhwa is that unlike the other manhwa that I've covered, this is not a reincarnation manhwa. It's mainly a historical romance. So Latiel was born a princess and this was just the first time. Like there was never any past life, nothing of that sort. But historical, it's still set in the historical place and that's what I really like about it. It is a manhwa. Also technically a webtoon, like I mentioned before, because it's on that official uploading platform with really good translation, because webtoon makes sure that the translation is top tier, it's not just some random scanlation group picking it up, which of course I appreciate their hard work, um, but webtoon, they know English, right? They know what's grammatically correct, so I don't have to put two and two together when I'm reading a really butchered English sentence. Another thing I really like about this manhwa, super iconic, like for all of the characters, whether it be the female lead or all the male leads and the side characters, like each character plays a role, um, in my opinion, adds interesting aspects to the story that it's like kind of hard not to love them. And yeah, I can't really choose a favorite character. They're all just super iconic. And it's also on top of a romance, mystery and revenge. I mean, as much as it is anything else. So that part of it is also what makes it a really fun read. I would 100% recommend it because it's not completely romance-centered. And I haven't really read mystery before, like intertwined in this way with the story. But it's 100% fascinating and came as a pleasant surprise to me. So let's move on. As you may know, if you've listened to my other podcast episodes, is that I do a best moment section. And as I'm going to do for every single other one, th this is a best moment section, except I'm going to rename it to the funniest moments <laughs> for this episode in particular because this entire webtoon is an iconic moment in and of itself, so I can't really pinpoint, oh, this is the best moment. I honestly love all of it, but the moments that stood out to me the most were the ones that made me cackle, like I was rolling on the floor laughing, not quite literally, but... <laughs> But I might as well could have been because these were really funny. So my absolute favorite moment, I think, whether it's it is funny, but I think out of the whole out of the whole webtoon slash manhwa, this is my favorite. It's the first few nights after the induction ceremony, where it's custom that the emperor sleeps with one of the concubines in the harem. So Latiel decides to visit Ranamun, one of the characters, the duke's son in order to appease the duke, aristocracy first after all, and she comes into his chambers, Renamun is like a nervous wreck, um, he's trying to recall the book that he read on, on different methods, 
which I was literally crying because when he found out that he was going to be part of the harem, he picked, he asks his dad for all of these books on like how to seduce. And I was just standing there like, that's really not, that's really not, I mean, go for it. Go, go for it. But <laughs> he's like reading up on all these different methods. He's like, oh yeah. This is definitely going to work. We got to put this to use. So he's trying to recall all these different methods and he is actually doing pretty well. I think if someone else was actually there to sleep with Ranamoon, then he would probably succeed in seducing them because I guess his book methods worked. I don't know. But the problem is, is Emperor Latira was like, Latil was not interested whatsoever. She just kind of like looks at him like, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't know. Like, what am I supposed to do? And she lays down on the bed. And he's like, man, I'm so tired. And he's like, didn't you come here to sleep with me? Like, isn't that what the whole tradition is about? And she's like, yeah, I am sleeping. I was <laughs> literally dying. She's like, I don't know what you mean, Ranamoon. I'm literally sleeping. She just lies down on the bed and falls asleep in two seconds. And he's just standing there, kind of crushed. Because I, I, he was probably expecting something. And she she literally did this multiple times. <laughs> multiple times. The nights after that, when, when she's trying to put on a public image of like, oh, I'm showing love to my concubines in the harem. I'm like giving them attention. She's trying to put on this image. And she's also trying to appease the different political factors. Like, okay, she chooses, you know, Ranamun over Tasir, who is a merchant leader. She chooses the Duke's son over the merchant leader kind of first, as in like giving way to political superiority of the aristocracy. But she's doing all of this just for show. Like she sleeps in Ranamoon's room one night and then she'll go and sleep in um, Prince Klain's room and the other night. Prince as in Prince from the Karasin Empire, not her own. But the catch is that Prince Klain is Hyacinth's brother. Wow. Um, and Hi and Hyacinth, Emperor Hyacinth was forced to send his own brother as a concubine for diplomacy reasons. <laughs> I was absolutely dying because Prince Klein does, n he does not, or Klein, I don't know how to pronounce his name. You, you know me, you know, I'm really bad at that. I'm just gonna say Prince Klein. He has no idea that his brother and Emperor Latiel had a relationship. And I'm a little bit nervous for his reaction when he finds out because he's kind of an all over the place character and we're going to get into him later. But she basically just goes from room to room and just sleeps in their room and ignores all of their attempts. Like each and every one of the guys make some sort of attempt and she basically turns them down each and every time. The funny part is that she's not even understanding of what they're doing. Because normally a person would be like, okay, well, yeah, this might be slightly misleading. Like I'm going into their room and they know the reason why. So it makes sense that they're like preparing for that. But the funny thing is she's confused. She's like, what are you doing? Take a couple steps back. And they're, <laughs> they're all just flabbergasted. She just doesn't care. She just does what she wants and that's about it. The funniest part though is is kind of like butthurt Ranamoon is the next morning because she gives him a present like, oh, we spent the night together, so here's a present to you. And he comes the next day and he gives her back the present and he's like, you didn't actually sleep with me, so like you can't give me the present. And she's like, you're still my man, so like here's the present. He's like, I don't want your present. Not because he doesn't like the present, but because he's so butthurt that nothing actually happened. That he's like, I don't even deserve to have this. Like, why are you giving this to me? This is kind of like, this is like a wound on my honor. And she's like, that does not even matter. But apparently it does to Ranamoon and she's confused. And Sir Sonat gives, like, he's, he gives like a small side glance and smile to Emperor Latiel because he has like a crush on her all along. It's this whole thing, um, but he, like, for years and years, and he's, like, the one of the childhood friends people, but he's also, like, her guard and her right-hand man. 
but he's like secretly kind of happy because he can't do anything about it like if she wants to have this harem but he's secretly not happy about this harem etc etc um so it's this it's this big thing the second moment sorry kind of rambled on the previous one but the second moment was when latil was still a princess and it was when she visited kerosene for the celebratory party of hyacinth's coronation so it was during that time there was this big party, and so she was attending the party. Obviously, she wasn't really happy to be there since she and Hyacinth broke up. And she ended up getting drunk in the courtyard or some garden, some outdoor area. And she's kind of just sitting there drinking, and she's like, Ugh, I hate you. You suck. And for whatever reason, Prince, Prince Klein, um, Hyacinth's brother, finds her there. And she starts, like, confessing her love to him randomly. I think she thinks that he's Hyacinth. And she's like, you suck. I've been in love with you for so long and you just betrayed me. And Prince Klein is like, I don't even know you. Um, but she's not listening to him. And Prince Klein, for whatever reason, still thinks that she's talking about him. He's like, oh, maybe there was this, this unrequited love and she's been admiring me from afar for so long. But, you know, I'm the greatest prince ever and I just didn't notice her. And I'm pretty sure that he also just, like, sits down and starts drinking a few glasses of wine. And his ego just flies through the roof because um, he's... He's, like, flattered, and he's like, oh my god, she's in love with me. Um, and he's like, sorry, I'm not interested in you, but continue to be in love with me, I guess. He's just, oh my god, his... <laughs> he has such a big ego. But I think more than anything, it's funny, because we know how Emperor Latil actually feels about the situation, and her true feelings are that she just doesn't care. And so it's funny to see Prince Klein make like a make a fool of himself thinking that he's he's the love interest and that Emperor Latiel ignoring him or seeming disinterested is just her way of trying to get him to chase after her, when in reality that's not the case. Cuz like it's not funny when people think that way and then try to force themselves on you as a result. He just thinks that way and it it just he becomes more full of himself in that way and more narcissistic. Um, but somehow it's really comedic. I don't know, because it's mixed with that and a bit of like soft, super attached person. And he doesn't want to admit that he likes her a lot more than she likes him, which I'm pretty sure he's already realized that. Um, and he just doesn't want her to stop liking him or leave or he's just happy to be part of her harem. He just wants her to pay attention to him. He's kind of like a soft boy in that sense. But that was a couple years later, right? When he's already part of the harem. Um, that he starts to actually develop feelings for Latiel. But when they're at that coronation party, they both, I think they both pass out drunk on the grass. <laughs> Um, and Latiel wakes up before him and is really confused as to who he is and why she's laying down to this random guy on the grass. So she kind of just gets up and leaves. <laughs> um, and so when Klein wakes up and she's gone, he's like furious because he's like, why would you just leave me on the grass? Like, wouldn't she want to stay with me on this grass and spend her time with me? Like, why would she just leave me on the grass? Um, and he just... <laughs> She He runs into her again, I think, the very next day, and he's kind of, like, trying to throw hints <laughs> at her. It's it's so funny, because he's he's like, hey, Latiel, how are you? Remember last night? And she's like, who are you, and what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, you don't have to pretend like you don't know of me. Like, you've been in love with me for the past couple of years. And she just stares at him like he's crazy. And it's a really, really fun dynamic. You know, really interesting, super fun dynamic that you would 100% totally see in real life. Because why not? <laughs> yes. So, because like, she doesn't even remember him. I don't even know how he's not picking up on that cue. Okay, let's move on to theories. First of all, there is so much to theorize about this manhwa compared to the others because there's so many mysteries. Like I said before, this is a mystery as much as it is anything else. So there's so much that we don't know and that we have to figure out as, because we're seeing this from the eyes of Latiel and we're trying to figure out this mystery as much as she is. So one of the unsolved problems Latiel has to deal with is someone called the Letter Thief. So 
all of Hyacinth's letters and gifts that he's sending to Latiel after she becomes emperor and long after, he's basically just trying to send her le letters and gifts being like, I'm so sorry, please take me back. <laughs> being a little desperate bitch. Um, but he, I don't even know what the letters and gifts contain exactly because Latiel never receives them. They get stolen before they even reach her, meaning that there's a traitor on the inside who's intercepting the letters and gifts, someone who doesn't want Latiel to receive them. But who is it? And why would it be in their best interest to make sure Latiel doesn't get these gifts, flowers, letters, etc.? Could it possibly be jealousy? It's possible that a person who wants Latiel to get over Hyacinth is taking them so that she doesn't have constant things, constant gifts reminding her of him. But it's also possible that maybe Hyacinth's wife is doing so. Or it could be someone who's not that whatsoever, but it's really a mystery. We don't know who, we just know that it's someone who has access to the inner palace, whether it's Terium's palace or Karrison's palace. Someone on the inside is intercepting it, because both the both emperors, Emperor Hyacinth and Emperor Latiel, they have a special postal office where they send their letters in a way that it doesn't mix with other letters and it's not easy to steal it. Only someone who really knows where that is would be able to steal it. So that does narrow down the pool a little bit, but not a whole lot. Um, what's for certain is that whoever is doing this doesn't really want their relationship to rekindle. And what they don't know is that no matter what Hyacinth sends, does it matter how many tulips or petunias or roses or jewelry or letters <laughs> or gifts of all kinds, it just does not matter, it's going to be in vain regardless. Because Latiel's not just going to accept him, she's already over his bullshit. Um, second theory. Who actually killed Latiel's father? Because I really don't think it was Thula. I mean, it could be him, but I don't know why he would do that. I feel like there would be other ways to get the throne. It's possible it was Thula, but how come any evidence, no evidence has come up? Like, the, the topic of black mages was recently introduced and brought up in the Manhua, but they were supposedly extinct centuries ago. They went extinct centuries ago. The Black Forest, an organization that Tassir, one of the concubines in the harem, he leads this organization, and he's also looking into the matter of how the black mages could have possibly been involved in the assassination of Latiel's father, but a lot still remains a mystery. And the person or people that did it are trying to, they're trying to frame Latiel as the murderer, they're actually quite skilled at doing so and impersonating. Tassir's organization, the Black Forest, actually suspected Latiel of being her father's murderer for a little bit before there was evidence proving otherwise. So because this very invisible, unknown, mysterious group of people are trying to make it seem as if Latiel is the criminal. We also don't really know why, but obviously enemies of Emperor Latiel... Um, and so they've been, it's been proven difficult to catch them though, because they're very skilled at what they do. And thirdly, last but not least, maybe least, maybe this is because it's just my personal opinion, but it's not really, because it's also not really a plot theory, but what is going on with the harem? Just like a general question. Why is there always chaos? <laughs> if you've read the manhwa, you know exactly what I mean. By there's always chaos. Latiel, every time she goes to the harem, someone has poured water on someone else or thrown rocks at someone else. <laughs> like, why? Why are you, can you not just live together? Like, I don't know. Does the extent of their jealousy really extend that far? Because there's just no revealed backstory and there's always conflict and everyone's always mad at each other and there's always no evidence. Like, oh, he threw water at me, so I threw a rock at him, so then I tackled his servant, and then and then that guy did this. And and then Latiel is like, okay, so where's the evidence? Like, can anybody prove that this happened, or he started it, or she did this? 
and there's no one can prove anything so they either both get punished or neither of them get punished and nothing really changes and the guards don't even do anything like she was yelling at them she's like why what kind of guards are you you're not even you can't even stop this from happening in the harem and Prince Klein's talisman got stolen so honestly I'm also questioning how good these royal imperial guards are this it seems like they're not doing their job very well for all of this chaos to be unfolding but in general we have no idea what kind of people these men are these concubines in the harem are and who they were before they came into the harem and neither does Ladil. her her requirements to one of her advisors was find a guy that is you know prominent and then also good looking and then she thought later and she's like maybe i should have looked into their personalities a little bit more because this is kind of crazy (laughs) this is this is a lot going on because yeah why it's hard to see how you would trust such men such men that you have no clue who they are but it is what it is i guess that adds to the mystery of the manhua there's just there's an uneasiness there that I can't quite put my finger on and I feel like it's gonna surface at a time that I'm not gonna expect and then shit's just gonna go downhill from there. Okay, um, that's about it I have for theories, honestly. I wish there was more I could talk about in terms of revealing it. But the Manuha itself has not revealed anything, and so I can only ask the questions, but not give any answers. And so I'm going to have to leave you to speculate on your own as to what the answers could possibly be. Because I myself do not know. Only the author knows. And that's that. But let's talk about characters and development. I feel like I'm doing this in the wrong order. I feel like I should be talking about characters first, because I... I should be introducing them first and then talking about other stuff. But I seem to be talking about other stuff and then being like, okay, let's introduce the characters now. The people that you had no idea who I was talking about before, if you have not read the manhwa. But I tried to give kind of a short description of them. And now, in my characters and development section, we'll be going into depth about what I think about them, what has been revealed of them so far. And, of course, we're going to start with the protagonist herself, Emperor Latiel. She is really underestimated in the beginning, especially during her fight with Thula, and eventually her win against him. Because when he's captured, his supporters were like, don't worry, man, she's a female emperor. That automatically means that she's going to be super merciful, she's a little bit emotionally unstable, as we know from the Great Sage, and she'll just, she'll, she'll definitely spare your life. Don't worry. You're her half-brother. She doesn't have the guts to actually behead you. Um, and you know what Latiel does? She laughs in their face and beheads her brother. I mean, okay, her brother tried to kill her. You're expecting her to just sit back? No way. We're not really doing that. Which I actually appreciate. Because finally, she's not like, maybe Thula will change Maybe he'll become a better person. I've seen it in so many shows. Like maybe, like Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't know if any of y'all have seen Avatar The Last Airbender. But in Avatar, Aang, he decides that he doesn't want to kill the Fire Lord King. And so he just defeats him and puts him in a, in a prison. Ho- hoping that maybe he'll change. Like no, what if he escapes? What if something else happens? By putting him in prison, there's always a possibility that more chaos will be created. Latiel, she just chops his head off and it's like, okay, we're done with it. Thula is not going to give me any more trouble. And that's that. My only regret is she also, she didn't kill the consort, Thula's mom. Um, She just put her in prison. And I kind of feel like she should have also executed Thula's mother because Thula's mother is a literal bitch, like as we've seen from previous chapters in the manhua, she was bullying Latiel when she was younger for no good reason. Just being a an annoying person, I guess we can say we can put that's and that's putting it kindly. That's putting it kindly that she was an annoying person. But she most definitely helped her son, Thula, 
in framing Latiel and tr- and I'm certain that Thula would have killed Latiel as well. So just execute the whole family. I don't know why she's sparing the mother, but that's her choice, I suppose. She is also most definitely not a pushover, if you didn't get that memo from what I just told you. And the amount of responsibility she has as Emperor is insane. Like, I can't imagine doing all the work that she does on top of the mysteries she has to solve, and then keeping up with the harem, and still managing to stay sane. Like, I would probably pack all my things and move to a little cottage in the countryside. I feel like I've mentioned that before in a previous episode. I don't... I mean, I'm planning on staying, I'm planning on living in a city, so I don't really know why I keep talking about moving to the countryside. But I'm just saying, like, if I was here, if I was in this world, and in this fantasy historical world, and I was someone who was involved with all this dangerous drama... I would probably try to get away from the dangerous drama. Moving to the countryside is my number one option. It's my plan A. So we're just going to go with that. I love that in the manhwa, reader, as readers, we're able to see her goofy side when she's alone or with the people she trusts. Because she just she has a lighthearted side. She's not completely cold and merciless. But we're also able to appreciate the times when she is, when she really is strict and stern and stubborn in her own ways, as an emperor should be. Because if she weren't, then I would be questioning her ability to lead an empire. She doesn't crack under pressure. There's no one able to force her to do or feel a certain kind of way. I know that she's recovering from her heartbreak with Hyacinth. I personally don't think that she's in love with him anymore or that she still cares for him. I personally think that re- by recovering, I mean she's st- she's trying to get over the trust issues that she's developed. <laughs> like, she's trying to get over all the extra baggage that he's put on her. And I get it. Um, she's just, she's not showing it. And it's it, we're slowly getting there. But it's realistic because it's a slow process. So many other manhuas are like, okay, I know that my family died and... My husband divorced me, but I'm just going to move on. And the very next day, she's like living her life and getting together with some other person. What's even worse is I've seen Monhua where she gets together with the man who killed her family. What? You can't tell me that that's okay. You cannot tell me that that's okay. No cookies for you if you think that. <laughs> no, co- no cookies for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... It's a process, as it is with everyone. It's not easy to get over your father's death. It's not easy to suddenly be swept in court drama and becoming the emperor and all simultaneously and then your boyfriend dumping you for power. I mean, it's a long ride. You're going to get really hurt and really scarred by that in more ways than one. And yeah, to be able to take it slow is the way to heal it with time. So I appreciate that that aspect of this manhwa. Let's get into Hyacinth, the good man himself. He still loves Latiel. Boohoo. <laughs> I don't even know how he can allow himself to after everything that he's done. But he wants to win her back, which kind of brings up question marks in my mind. Because she's the emperor of her own empire now, so I don't really know how he thinks that's going to work. Like, even if she does end up falling in love with him again, does he really think that she's just going to be like, Oh, Hyacinth, I'm just going to, just, I'm just going to hand over the rule to someone else real quick. Like, I'm just going to completely drop all my responsibilities and resign. I'm going to abdicate as emperor if he truly thinks she's gonna do that then he does not know her well enough he he does not know her as well as he thinks he does because there is no chance that's going to happen oh my goodness um like i mentioned before he unknowingly sends his brother prince prince klein to be her concubine (laughs) and he's like klein i need you to be there and i need you to spy on her (laughs) and like he thinks 
he thinks that his brother is just going to comply and go there as a spy. And he doesn't know that in reality his brother is going there to genuinely be part of her harem and not spy on her. <laughs> so yeah, Hyson's just a little bit of a dummy. And because he's a dummy and because he can't make up his mind and be committed to one person, even his current wife doesn't want him. <laughs> even his current wife is like, um, so yeah, you're just disgusting. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we can all agree. It was kind of iconic when she had a conversation with Latiel, like both of them were having a conversation. And Latiel was like, don't worry, queen, like you can have him. I don't want him. And, and his wife was like, I don't want him either. I'm <laughs> just, uh, but I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna let him divorce me because that would just satisfy him. And I want to keep my empress position. So she's like, if he's going to be uh, power hungry and greedy, then so am I. No, his his wife, like I understand her actions. I don't really know if she's doing anything suspicious as of now. We don't really get to see much about her. But she is definitely gonna, determined to keep her spot as the empress. So even if he's like, I'm going to divorce you and her in five years... Like, what are the odds that she's gonna... Why? You think she's just going to let you divorce her? She's gonna be like, oh yeah, it's okay. Yeah, that's totally fine. I'm just gonna be empress for like five years and then <laughs> leave my position all because you want to marry some random lady. <laughs> I don't know. It's a mess. It is a total mess to the point where I don't even know how much I can explain this without it giving me a headache. And, oh man... It's just funny to me because I just know that Emperor Hyacinth has got, gotten himself into all this shit. No one else but him. He's the one that started it. He's the one that can wallow in it. And it can become his problem and no one else's. I remember the moment when Latiel came to Karasin herself to announce the creation of her harem in front of him. In front of Hyacinth. She's like, hey bud. So I'm actually creating my own harem and I need you <laughs> to send me a concubine for diplomacy purposes. And his reaction was priceless. Nothing could replace the absolute horror and anger on his face. He was he was so mad that she did this and she just she was just, she just shrugged. <laughs> she didn't give a shit. <laughs> she was like you can comply with me. Or you can watch the world burn and suffer. Your choice. <laughs> Which actually means she didn't really give him a choice. He had to comply. Unless tensions between their two empires would become worse. Okay, Sir Sonat. So Sir Sonat, I mentioned him briefly before in the best moments section. He is Latiel's guard and right-hand man. And he secretly loves Latiel. I believe that... It's like the brother's best friend trope because they hung out together all the time. Latiel and her brother hung out all the time and Sir Sonat was her brother's best friend who was secretly in love with Latiel from childhood. But he believes it's best to stay by her side instead of joining the harem because he's able to protect her that way as her guard and spend more time with her anyway since I don't think she spends that much time in the harem. It's, it's definitely been like a long, unrequited love, but Sir Sonat doesn't really allow himself to move on. Um, and I just, I don't know, I probably like him. I feel like he would be the best fit for Emperor Latiel in the long run anyway, out of all the concubines. A lot of people in the comments of the sec in the comment section of the webtoon agree with me. They actually think he's the better fit for her. And they're kind of secretly rooting for him on the side and urging him to join the harem. But I don't really care whether or not he joins the harem. I just want him to somehow confess to Latiel, I think. Because he's been like secretly hinting at it and Latiel's been just ig not ignoring it, but just not understanding and not picking up on the cues. Because she's slightly dense when it comes to that. I don't think she's 100% dense, but I also think that she just doesn't feel the same way. And I just wish there was a way for Sursa not to prove that he'll be there for her and that he he cares a lot for her and will cherish and help her run her empire and be that really good husband. <laughs> 
but we'll just have to see. Um, I He's personally the least suspicious character and the most trustworthy character in my opinion. And I just get overall good vibes from him. So I hope that nothing changes that. Let's talk about Ranamoon now, the guy that got dissed. Not purposefully, but kind of <laughs> the guy whose pride was shattered. Um, he's a really sheltered man because he grew up as the Duke's son and the heir to the dukedom. So I feel like he's a little bit entitled to the position of royal consort. He thought that he was going to become the royal consort because of his dad. Turns out he didn't, but he still joined the harem. And his dad is one of the prominent dukes on the emperor's council. So yeah, before she announced that she was creating the harem, he kind of was like first in line. And he still believes that he's first in line, even as a concubine. He views things from a logical perspective. And to me, it, it feels like he also thinks about relationships from a logical perspective. If you think you're going to build relationships by reading off a book, then you're wrong. That's not really how that works. And when I was talking with my friends about him, I was just, I just mentioned that it's more fun to make fun of him, I think, than anything else. Because he's just a kind of character that the things that he does, they're just so odd. <laughs> you look at him and you're like mm, okay I, I see what you did there but at the same time not really so where do we get from A to B maybe walk me through that process Ranamoon that would be really nice so yeah he's fun to make fun of um, but more than that he's he's not extremely appealing I don't think um, he's interesting but he gets angry when Emperor Latiel rejects his advances. And I get how he can feel frustrated by that. But if he's going to express... No, it was <laughs> so funny because his his um, his um butler, his servant, um, was telling him. He was like, well, you're super attractive. <laughs> <clears throat> Give me a second while I compose myself. He was like, Renamoon, you're super attractive. I don't know what Emperor Latiel is talking about. You're the top dog. You're super handsome. Even I would fall for you. I don't know how you've been rejected. And Runamoon kind of just takes a pause. And I feel like everybody reading just took a pause. I mean, it's one thing to admit that you're attractive. Because it's like, women can compliment women and uplift them. And so can men. To just admit that another man is attractive. That's totally fine. And it's really amazing when, when you do that, when you're supportive of each other. But his servant was like, I would fall for you. And I, I took a pause and I was like, would you really? Hmm, would you really? <laughs> no, but it was interesting because it was supposed to cheer Ranamoon up. And I think it just confused him a little bit. <laughs> I think it just confused him. <laughs> but that's all I have on, on Ranamoon. Let's talk about Gesta. And we I have not talked about Gesta whatsoever so far in the podcast. Gesta is probably the most two-sided character out of every single one of the men in the harem. You would expect it from him the least, I think, and yet it's very prominent most in him, in his personality. And I didn't realize it at first, but even before it was explicitly shown, many people had their suspicions, like many people in the comments. They were like, mm, I feel like Gesta portrays himself as a super shy, reserved, conflict-avoiding, and very complying person, when the part that he's hiding from others, and from Latil especially, is his very stubborn, judgmental persona, where he's slightly... Let me look up. Narcissistic synonym. I don't think he's narcissistic. Maybe he's conceited. Hmm. Yes, but he's kind of, oh yes, okay, actually, I realized what it was. He has a superiority complex. <laughs> he has a superiority complex. And even more so than Ranamoon does, even though his position is lower than Ranamoon's, I think. But he also comes from an aristocratic family, and he definitely has a superiority complex. But he doesn't show it, and he, he I think so far he's only showed it to Tasir, and he's hiding it from everyone else. Super suspicious, though. I wonder when Latiel's gonna find out. But he's using this 
in his own like to his own advantage because he's actually he's actually pretty sly and clever in his own way to get in order to get what he wants Latiel kind of just views him as like a younger brother I think because he and Latiel were childhood friends and I believe she had stated that Gesta had a crush on her when they were both young but he got rejected but it seems to me like that crush never went away so Gesta's crush on Latiel never really went away even after he got rejected he probably always had that little hope and he took being part of the harem as an opportunity but we'll see we'll see Latiel is really super protective of Gesta when in reality I don't think she needs to be because of how he his true personality is the personality that he's covering up because what he's showing on the outside is what Latiel wants to protect it's like oh this super sweet shy boy he's so nice to everyone I don't want him to get hurt but in reality he can handle it if anything he's the one going around and making fun of others but yeah there's definitely I think we're just entering Gesta's arc because his change in persona, his change in personality has just become clear to us as readers and to Seer as well. So his arc, his character development arc is definitely coming up. So there will be, there is more to him than that. But so far that is kind of just like skimming the surface. So let's talk about Tasir, the guy that I had just mentioned. His fashion sense is literally godly. It's like every time he walks in the frame, he's got on like this amazing outfit. And I'm like, wow, like teach me your ways. Design my wardrobe for me, please. I would love to hire you. Wow, he's like, it's <laughs> he looks good in absolutely everything that he wears. I didn't actually like him that much at first. He seemed very sly to me because he told his servant, he was like, find out what Hyacinth is like. Because he had found out Emperor Hyacinth and Emperor Latiel had a relationship prior to her starting the harem. And so he's like, in order to get Emperor Latiel to fall in love with me, I have to be like Hyacinth. I have to kind of adopt his personality. So I didn't like him at first because it was like, be who you are, be you. <laughs> Don't um, adopt someone else's personality in order to make Emperor Latiel like you. And because it's, it seems like he's slightly manipulative in that sense. But I, I don't really know why. I just kind of, I like him now. He puts in a lot of work behind the scenes in order to help Emperor Latiel solve her mysteries. He's very intelligent, an avid reader and planner. Whatever clever tactics he's using to succeed in the harem, I'm just going to push that away and I'm going to ignore it. And I'm going to use the excuse that it's really difficult to survive in the harem. So he just needs to do what he has to do. You know, out of out of all the concubines, he's my favorite. I still like Sir Sonat a lot. But out of all the concubines, I definitely like to see her the most. And last but certainly not least is Carlane. Carlane is apparently his name is a girl's name and means free woman. <laughs> it means free woman. Why? I, I, I'm not making this up. I swear. Look it up. C-A-R-L-E-I-N. Carlane. Means free woman. I, the alternative was Carlian, but his name's not Carlian. I found a lot of Carlian names, but not Carlane. But Carlane specifically means free woman, and I don't, I cannot, I cannot see it with with Carlane's personality and just how he is. The fact that his name means free woman <laughs> has me crying. Why? What is this? <laughs> and I, I had a hard time pronouncing his name as well. There was like a huge lunch there was just a huge conversation that I had to have with myself being like how do you pronounce Carlane because when I'm reading Manhua I read it in my head and so however the name gets pronounced it just gets pronounced in my head but then when I have to talk about it I really have to think about how are these names pronounced so that I don't completely butcher it but like why does this pale vampire looking man have this name which is <laughs> why well, anyway, he insists on calling Latiel master instead of your majesty like everyone else. And he also keeps insisting that he's known her since she was a baby. Which is kind of creepy. Um, she takes it as an awkward joke, but it's low-key kind of strange. 
Um, I'm not sure what's going on there. And it's only fueling my speculation that he's a vampire and that he's maybe centuries years old <laughs> because he's he calls her master and he's like oh i've known you since you were a child and she's like oh uh, really that's nice <laughs> i would i would he would be thrown out as soon as he said that we're not handling creepy jokes like that but as we've seen from the most recent chapters he has superhuman strength which I actually was not expecting. I just thought that he was super pale, vampire-ish, hides away from society, doesn't talk much kind of character. But he apparently has superhuman strength and can literally throw two people across the room. And just because this, just because Ranamoon grabbed his arm, he had like thrown him and his servant across the room and is like, don't get in my way. I was like, whoa, okay, wasn't expecting that, Carlane. But this character, if you're listening to this, Mr. Shane, reminds me of you. You know why? Because this sounds like something you would do. You would pick up, like, five human beings, chuck them across the room, like it's no big deal. Like, it's no big deal. It's absolutely insane how, like, you do that. I don't know, but anyways, just kick over bags like it's no big deal. I pre- that that just reminds me of that for whatever reason. No other aspect of this character, just the fact that he has superhuman strength. I want superhuman strength. That's not really fair. I wouldn't throw people across the room like Carlane does, but who knows? Who knows what I would do with superhuman strength? <laughs> I, maybe I would be able to do all my board breaks if I had superhuman strength. Well, moving on. <laughs> Besides all of that, and, well, actually, not that aside, including that, Carlene is a suspicious character. Like, why is he able to do that? And why, I mean, he gets angry when he's mildly questioned by anybody else, and he tries to keep his distance from everybody else. Ranamun suspects him of being the thief of Prince Klain's talisman since he was spotted leaving Klain's chambers, and... Klain lies to Emperor Latiel when she questions him. He's like, no, I never went to his chambers. And then after Ranamoon confronts um, Carlane and is like, why did you lie? Like, I clearly saw you leaving. And then that's when he threw them across the room. <laughs> um, that's when that whole thing escalated from zero to 100. Which makes me think that he definitely stole the talisman. But why would he need a talisman? Why would he, why would he, be, why would he need it in the first place? We see the least of Carlane out of all the consorts, which also makes me feel like, hmm, is he always gone? Is he always quote-unquote missing from these daily interactions and activities? And does that somehow relate to, like, the mystery and uncertainty, like, the aura of uncertainty that surrounds him? Because... Yeah, maybe he's out doing something with that talisman. Maybe he's always hiding away because he gets burned by the sunlight. Hmm? Wink, wink. Maybe that's a possibility. Because I'm going to reiterate the fact that he looks like a literal vampire. And don't get me wrong, I'm pale too. I'm extremely pale. Um, But this dude looks like he's ill. And he needs more sunlight or vitamins or something. But that being said, if he really was a vampire, then he would be avoiding the sun. So I don't know. Ever since the induction ceremony for the consorts, I've just gotten a bad feeling about him, the things he's done. And that's only added to that. Actually, before, you know, before I said last but not least, we're going to talk about Carlane, I take that back. He's being talked about last because he's my least favorite character. So that concludes basically everything some recommendations i have for you actually i only have one if you like men of the harem please read the remarried empress i think i've already said this one as a recommendation in one of my other podcast episodes but it is so good both of these are available to read on webtoon and for free and they're drawn by the same artist and did i mention that the art is gorgeous it's just Ugh, beautiful, amazing, and both stories are awesome, and just 100% would recommend. I think if you love The Remarried Empress, 100% check out Men of the Harem. If you liked Men of the Harem, definitely read Remarried Empress. So, yep, that's all I have to say, so go check it out, or you'll wake up tomorrow without your kneecaps.
So that concludes the end of episode four. Is this episode four? Yes, it is episode four. This concludes episode four of See You in My Next Life podcast. Men of the Harem, thank you so much for listening. I'm sorry if you heard any noises throughout this podcast, like construction or barking or anything else um, or thumps. Sometimes I hit my knee into tables into into the table or yeah like I said there was construction going on outside and I try my best to edit out as much sound as possible but sometimes it's difficult to do that alrighty well until next time I'll see you in the next episode bye